Welcome to the Real Marathon Podcast, the podcast where we talk about the best in film each and every week. I'm Rob Carraher. And I'm Danny Carraher. And today we are doing our double feature that got pushed back a little bit of Annette and the Sparks Brothers. And they have a common theme because the Sparks Brothers wrote Annette and the music that goes along with that modern day musical. So we'll get to that here in a little bit. But to start, uh, we want to talk about some of the films that came out this past week. And it was a little bit of a light week. Last week there was a lot more. Um, I know we didn't talk about those. I didn't end up getting to see any of those. So uh, we don't have a lot to say in regard to that. But this week, the documentary came out on Wednesday on Netflix called Bob Ross, Happy Accidents, Betrayal, and Greed. And it just seems like it is the antithesis of what I think about Bob Ross. Um, they didn't get great reviews from the critics. It has a 55 meta score, but a 7.1 on IMDb. And from what I, I have learned about it, uh, it seems as though this is a documentary that is kind of taking this beloved uh, icon and showing that there was a, a huge battle kind of over his uh, his programming in terms of how it, it could make money and who has ownership over that. So I think it's kind of the business side of what happened with well, Bob Ross. The Even if the documentary ends up being not very good, that title alone is captivating, and I think that that would be a, like... I don't know. I, I'm interested to see more about that just based on the title. I'd never yeah. heard anything about it. So. Yeah, I hadn't heard anything about it either until I looked up what was coming out this week. I was like, oh, they, a Bob Ross documentary came out. and um, I really love Bob Ross, and uh, throwing Bob Ross on when I just need to relax and hang out is one of the best things. So, uh, yeah, I, I will probably eventually catch this. Um, it'll be the sort of thing like on a set Friday or Saturday night just deciding what to watch. I might throw it on um, just to kind of see what it's like. So Bob Ross, Happy Accidents, Betrayal and Greed. Uh, check it out <laughs> on Netflix. Um, the big movie that came out this week is Candyman. And uh, this was one that's been getting a ton of buzz uh, as a remake um, from, I don't know what year the initial one came out. Uh, 1992, and uh, Candyman is a written and produced film by Jordan Peele, um, and it is directed by Nia DaCosta, and the buzz was probably a little bit bigger than how it ended up playing out with critics and uh, audiences. Um, it does still have a 72, but being kind of a Jordan Peele um, type of movie, I think there was some expectations that it may, may be a little bit better. Um, it has a 6.5 on IMDb. This is the sort of movie that I'm interested in seeing, but I probably won't see it until it comes out on uh, a streaming service or as a rental. Just depending on how much time I have and feeling like what if I can get to the theater, this could be one I see in theaters because I, I don't know. I like seeing scary movies in the theater. It's a different experience. And also, I mean, even even if critics aren't in love with it, you know, I 
I think that a scary movie can still be a fun experience regardless. And even if I'm not super in love with the story, I can at least buy into being like, that was a thrilling, good experience, you know, and uh, it surprised me in some way, shape, or form. So um, I'm excited to see this at some point. Uh, I think that the cast seems super interesting. I think we talked maybe a little bit about this in the past, but um, Yaya Abdul, Mateen, um, who is from Watchmen. He looks great, and I want to see him in more stuff. Uh, Coleman Domingo, who we loved in... Um, what you call Zola. It? Zola, yeah. Great. Tiana Paris, I want to see her in more stuff. So I'm just excited about this cast. Yeah, I... I think this I I had a pretty high expectations for this going into this release, and it it was one that was like, yeah, I, I'll probably will see that. And then, even though some people have really loved this, like some critics have really really loved this movie, uh, not everyone has, mm-hmm. and so it kind of leaves me a little bit like, uh, it's to me it's gonna be a little bit of a shot in the dark, and I think that's kind of the way it goes with horror movies. Um, 7.2 is not too bad, though, I guess, for a... Or 72 Metascore is not too bad for a horror movie. Um, just because horror movies don't get loved like some of the other movies. So. No, they don't. And also, one thing I'll, I'll say about this, too, is that there's... I'm, I'm kind of looking at some older movies recently that critics had, you know, originally not been in love with. And, like, for example, a movie that I think is fantastic, that I love, is Inglorious Bastards, but that wasn't a movie that was very well-received by critics. And there's a lot going into that because I think people go in with expectations when it's Quentin Tarantino, and people probably went into this because it was Jordan Peele was related to the the project in some way. So, um, I mean, we might be, you know, three, four, five, six years from here, and think, well, they got it wrong about Candyman, you know? And so I'm excited to see the movie, and maybe I'll change my mind after a while, you know? Yep. All right, cool. So that was Candyman. Um, The Colony is another movie that came out this week. I don't think there's much interest in this at all. Uh, It is a VOD movie. The uh, synopsis on IMDb says, Set in the distant future, a female astronaut shipwrecked, on the long decimated earth must decide the fate of the wastelands remaining populous. And it just sounds kind of like the same shtick of a sci-fi type movie. It has a 5.4 IMDb score. Um, the critics really did not review it, so it doesn't have a meta score. Uh, I will be skipping the colony. It, it had an original title called Tides. Um <laughs> But apparently that wasn't good, so they decided to name it The Colony, which is also not that good of a title. It just seems like the most generic movie you could think of that said, like, we're going to make a sci-fi movie. Yep. And I can't believe that The Colony is the title that they chose to improve it, and Tides is definitely worse, but The Colony (laughs) is not that much better. Yep. Um, So, see it, don't see it. It's on VOD. You can uh, rent that for five or six bucks pretty much everywhere um the last movie that came out this week is called together and the premise i read this and i'm like i don't want to see this uh it it got a 7.1 on imdb and a 57 metascore uh but the the synopsis says a husband and wife are forced to reevaluate themselves in their relationship through the reality of the COVID 19 lockdown 
Uh, we're still in the middle of this pandemic and they're making movies about the horrors of the pandemic. It, it is kind of upsetting. Now, here's the deal. I immediately started to kind of write this off, but then I'm like, eh, I'll watch the trailer. And I watched the trailer and I'm somewhat intrigued by this. This is a Stephen Daldry movie and Stephen Daldry has made some you know, pretty good movies over the years. Uh, the Reader, The Hours, Billy Elliot. Um, I never saw Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close, but it kind of got crapped on even though he got nominated for Best Picture. Um, but he's he's made some pretty big-time movies, and uh, that, that leads me to believe that it has something there. The other piece that's really, really interesting to me is James McAvoy is in it, and I love James McAvoy. I think he's an excellent actor, um, and from this trailer, he he looks pretty good, and the concept is kind of this breaking of the fourth wall uh, where they talk to the camera quite a lot, um, and so I don't know that I'm going to be motivated to actually seek this out, but I'm my presumption is that this will end up on uh, Netflix or Hulu or Amazon Prime or one of those eventually. And it might be the sort of movie that I'm interested in watching down the line uh, just to kind of see what, what it's all about. Um, but yeah, that 7.1 to 57, uh, it, I, that probably feels about the right range for it. I, I think this is an interesting concept and even though it's like not what we want to watch probably right now, I think the people involved are enough to, to maybe check it out. So I'll, I, again, I probably won't seek this out, but I'm going to probably check it out if it, if I feel like it's, a, I'm in the mood or something. Yep. That, that seems to be kind of what this sort of movie is made for. <laughs> um, all right. So that is everything that's come out this week or the, it had come out this week. Um, I don't know if people didn't want to go up against Candyman because Candyman was considered to be a top title that people would want to go see. And so there really wasn't a lot this week. Um, we are headed into major film festival season. And so we now are really going to get a bunch of movies that are going to be awards players up to this point. There's probably only been a handful of movies that have come out that actually will get any awards buzz when it's all said and done, but everything from here on out has to be kind of um, examined as if it could be an award player. Uh, so maybe this upcoming week's episode, we can talk a little bit more about some of the buzz that's coming out of these film festivals because they are right among us. Um, and... Uh, then we're going to have releases that it's too many movies to see and just not enough time. So we'll, we'll try to prioritize some of those and hopefully see some good stuff. Um, but one movie I did check out this week that I had been meaning to, um, and it came out a little earlier this year, is called Shiva Baby. And uh, it is about a young Jewish woman at a who ends up going to a... Uh, Shiva after a family friend had died and 
all sorts of wild things kind of take place while she is attending this uh, event. And uh, it, it was a kind of refreshingly original take on um, a situation that has played out probably a lot of times in romantic comedies and stuff like that. Um, but it has this weird kind of edge to it where it is both a comedy, but also dramatic and almost kind of has this like thriller horror element to it, despite the fact that it doesn't really have the setting for that. And uh, it's a really short film. Um, it's only an hour and 17 minutes. Uh, but it is very, very well done. Uh, some really good performances and just has the intrigue that you wouldn't expect from a movie quite like this. Um, and I, I really enjoyed it. I ended up giving it an 8 out of 10. Uh, and uh, it, it is currently in my top 10 movies of 2021. Uh, it is also in my top 10 movies of 2021. This is a movie I saw probably in like April or March or around that area. And uh, I'm just struck by, first of all, I think that uh, Rachel Senna, from, who plays the main character, uh, Danielle, I think she gives a really good performance because that's a tricky role to play because you are having to, you know, perform as the character you know she's trying to kind of pretend that some things are not actually happening and she's you know it's kind of a chaotic performance in a lot of ways but i think that's by design because things are kind of falling apart for her um and again a huge part of why this movie is so good is because of that performance mixed with the score of the the movie and that score is like very percussive and it is like you almost sound like it's these clicks that kind of are, are nagging at you and um, it just gets really intense really quickly. And um, one thing that I, I think you could maybe criticize the movie for is that it, it almost rehashes the same scenario multiple times, but every time they do that scenario, it gets like just that much more intense until she reaches a breaking point. And um, again, like it's crazy to think that this movie is hilarious while also being so intense, but I think that's a big uh, testament to this director, Emma Sel Seligman. Um, and I think this is her first main feature and, you know, we always talk about being excited about future directors, people that can make more stuff. And this is a pretty small scale story. It mostly takes place in one room, but if we could see a story that she writes that has a bigger scope and seeing how she can, you know, approach that, she could be a really cool director to see in the future, do something a little bit bigger than this. Um, but yeah, I, I thought this was a great movie. Yeah. The, the yeah, I'm really interested to see what she she does in the future, and uh, it feels often like a it could be a stage production. Yep. But the way that it is filmed and and uh, kind of followed, there's you you get kind of the claustrophobicness of being in a smaller house with uh, a bunch of people, um, and they do a really nice job of moving around the house and kind of making this feel like um, there are places that are a little more intimate at times mm -hmm. than other places. 
uh, that I don't think you could capture as much on stage, even though it does feel like it, it could very well be adapted for a stage production. And the other thing, too, is that it's it's could be a stage production, but it's not shot like it's a stage right. production. And that's something that, not to give away anything, we'll talk about with Annette, I think, yep. is how it looks sometimes like a stage production. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, I would check out Shiva. Uh, Shiva baby, um, and uh, yeah, let us know what you think of it. Um, I think it's probably one of the more original movies that will will come out this year, um, and it's definitely worth worth checking out. Uh, do you have you do you see anything else this week, Danny? Um, nothing new. I am just kind of catching up on older stuff. So watched Chinatown. Watched uh, recently uh, Reservoir Dogs. Just kind of rewatching some stuff that I hadn't seen in a while. Some of those classics. Yep. Um, yeah, it's always sometimes fun to watch movies that you haven't watched in a while or that you just never have seen um, that maybe are a little bit more comforting because it's not <laughs> something new uh, that you don't know what you're going into. Um, so I think that wraps up kind of our, our discussion on some of the new stuff that's coming out this week and what we have seen beyond what our reviews are this week. So when we come back from this break, we are going to be first talking about Annette, um, and then we will follow that up by talking about the Sparks Brothers. So stay right there. This is how I killed my wife. Sick! I sense some animosity. Am I right, or is it me? You must have bitten something bitter in your cradle! We didn't be in a cradle! So why did I become a comedian? you just heard from the film Annette, uh, directed by Leos Carix and written by uh, Ron and Russell Mayo uh, of the Sparks, or of Sparks. Um, and we will be talking a little bit more about them in our next segment here. But uh, Annette is a pretty bizarre musical. I'm going to give you just the briefest of synopsis uh, here. Um, a stand-up comedian and his opera wife have a two-year-old daughter with a surprising gift. And frankly, it's probably good that that's about as much as you get from this um, because it is almost one of those movies that you really cannot uh really describe to somebody without them seeing it and uh frankly the less you know about it probably the more interesting experience it will be um i have not seen 
Leo's Mar Arcaric's previous uh, critically acclaimed movie, Holy Motors. Um, I, it was one of those movies that I had heard a lot about when it had initially come out. Um, and there was a decent amount of love for it. Uh, and so I, I didn't know exactly what to expect going into this, except for the fact that uh, Leo Carrix had uh, won the Best Director Award at the Cannes Film Festival for Annette this year. Um, and I don't exactly know what to think of this film. Um, I didn't love it as much as I wanted to. Uh, I ended up giving it a 6 out of 10. Um, and much of that is because there are aspects of this film that are absolutely brilliant. There are aspects of this film that just kind of fall flat for me. And I couldn't wrap my head around why they decided to do certain things or what the purpose of some of those things are. Um, it, it seems like it's a pretty high concept film that just didn't entirely land in the way that I was hoping that it would. Danny, what did you think of Annette? So you mentioned how like this is one that there's a lot of brilliance in there. You talked about how it does fall flat. There's things that there's definite issues with the movie, right? And I also was in this place after watching the movie. I'm like, I don't know what to think. I don't know how to assess this movie in a lot of ways. And for as much as there were parts that I was like, that's a really interesting aspect of the movie. I came to this decision that I'm like, big picture wise, is this a good movie? And the answer is no, <laughs> the movie's not very good. And so I'll tell you initially, I gave this movie a four out of 10. Ooh. And it was only after watching the Sparks Brothers documentary that I moved it to a five out of 10. And so we'll talk about why uh, that is a little bit more when we talk about the Sparks. But um, I'll say right now that they, the documentary allowed me to get insight into those people as writers and it allowed me to respect the story a little bit more. But one of my main issues with the movie is that it doesn't have a consistent tone and I know a lot of that is by design because even it, Sparks as a band are, are a band that you don't know whether to take seriously at times. They're almost a parody of themselves at times and this movie feels like that but at the same time I have issues with the way it's made as well. I do not like that this movie at times feels very cinematic and then at times it feels like why are you filming a stage play and that is really frustrating to me. Um, my like review that I put on Instagram on my story is this is a frustratingly stupid movie because there's things that are like again really brilliant but then there's things that are like Am I watching a South Park movie? Like this feels crazy, you know? Like and I I want I think to buy into it a little bit more, but it loses me because I'm like 
I, I understand they're going for some sort of dramatic thing, but a lot of times it's either incoherent or it alienates so much or it feels like it's such a joke that you're like, I, I'm not bought, bought in anymore. And so, um, again, like we can talk about the things that are really good, but when it comes down to this just being, I think, if this is a good movie or not, I don't think this is a good movie. Uh, and my, my, the six, this, okay. So when I rate movies, generally I can sit down and I can be like, yeah, I just get this feel for what I want to give a movie. And I could not really pinpoint how I wanted to approach this. Um, and a lot of that is because there are certain things I'm like, yes, this is great. This is really great. And, uh, I, it should be recognized for some of those great things. But yeah, like you said, it's so incoherent in the way that it's put together. And it's like you had three different filmmakers making a movie and they all filmed different portions of it. And then they tried to edit it all together and it just doesn't work. Mm -hmm. Um, the thing that I think maybe bothers me more than anything else is the film is trying to be like some high art type film and it knows it's being a, that type of film and it's trying too hard and it loses anything that's genuine about it um, because it's going for something rather than letting it happen naturally. And that to me is what was abrasive and that I just couldn't handle. Um, and yeah, they, there's certain things like they keep going back to a, these between kind of that stage production feel to like these, uh, interludes where it's supposed to be kind of like, uh, the pop culture media that's has, it has this weird feel to it, to these really, uh, beautiful cinematic scenes and, they, they just don't go together. And so if you're kind of starting to feel it, all of a sudden they throw you out of it by changing the way that you are are taking in what is happening in this film. And there are some scenes it's like, I didn't need to see that. That didn't add anything to my understanding of this film mm -hmm. um, or at least the length that they go on specifically, even though I love Adam Driver. I think he's very good in this because he's pretty much good in everything he does. Um, but there's some scenes where he's talking on stage and they just go on too long. And it's like, okay, I get the point. And at times it gets cringy. Um, and I think that's part of, that's purposeful, mm -hmm. but uh, it, it kind of takes you out of it. And for him being the main character in this film, it doesn't do anything for you to buy in to this person and be like, yes, I care to follow who this person is throughout the entirety of the film. Uh, the characters just aren't overly rich. Mm -hmm. And I don't honestly care what happens to any of them throughout the film. And that's unfortunate because you look at this story, which is has a the writing itself is problematic. There's a lot of problems with the way that it is written. But you can see kind of at the center of it that there is an interesting concept there that could be examined, but it was not done in the right way. Mm -hmm. And I start to wonder how much of this is uh, 
the male brothers versus Leos Carex and his vision for this. I couldn't quite tell where it was one person's vision turning into another mm -hmm. and where really whose fault this is, or maybe it's just both of them. Mm -hmm. And uh, that that is unfortunate that yep. it ended up that way. I, I agree with almost everything that you said. And one thing that I'll say just to add on to what you're you're talking about is they have this potentially interesting story that's at the center of this but again the way that they are telling the story the kind of you said that high concept stuff that they're doing in the movie that becomes so distracting that I'm like not even really dialed into the story anymore I'm just yeah. like why are they doing it like this and it is to me it's it's that makes it then a, not about the story at all. It just makes it about how can we make a very um, challenging uh, story to tell in a, a challenging format. Um, and, and again, like I want to see that story, but it's just is so bizarre. And there's certain things that you know we they could get away with if they handled it a little differently because um, they make big decisions in this. But I just it wasn't consistent, and so that was a problem. Um, if you don't have uh, a specific direction to go, I would was going to say, could we maybe start by talking about some of the music yeah, here? Let's talk about the music. That was the next thing I wanted to talk about. Okay. Um, what did you think of the music? So my issue is I, I think that the music itself, the, the melodies, I don't necessarily have a problem with them. I think that that could have worked. I think that the blending of the lyrics in the music was a problem for me. And this is where you have to, I think, understand the male brothers and sparks as a band to be able to understand that this is a product that they made because I'll take this song as an example, the song, we love each other so much. Yeah. They're repeating the same thing over and over that line. And first of all, that just seems like stupid bad writing um, to have a song called We Love Each Other So Much. And, and it's like, oh, how m much more on the nose can you get? And I know that that's the style of writing that the Sparks does. But for me, I'm like, this doesn't work. That just doesn't work. And they're just repeating the same thing over and over. But the problem is that's actually like a fairly good melody. Yeah. And it kind of gets into your head and it sticks with you. And so... It, it works, but it doesn't because the lyrics are annoying. And I felt that way about a lot of the the movie. What about you? Um, I thought that the music was very, 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 very forgettable. Um, I think there are a few tracks that are interesting. Uh, I think the opening track is probably the best tracks. So may we start yep. um, just because it has a cool feel to it. and uh, But it has almost nothing to do with the but story. It, yeah, it has nothing to do with the story. And that's, that's um, kind of unfortunate that it plays out that way. It's, it's that the way that I describe that scene is almost, it's like the beginning of Jesus Christ Superstar yeah, where you are aware that it's almost these people putting on a performance for you. I agree with that. And the fact that um, Sparks is in that scene, um, and I know they pop up again later in the movie, but mm -hmm. uh, they, like, I, I don't know. But the, the music in general, it's just, it didn't add anything to the, the movie to make it 
um, worth it being a musical, uh, especially a movie that's about music. Mm-hmm. Uh, it f- feels like they didn't utilize the music in a way that it would have fit with the storyline. Mm-hmm. And at times it felt like they were forcing um, bad lyrical songs into the film simply to keep it as a musical. Yep. Um, and at times I would get, I was getting flashbacks of La La Land uh, where like the music just isn't that good. And it felt like they were forcing it to be a musical when it didn't need to be a musical in that way. I, I would say the music in La La Land is maybe three times better than it, this. It mu- is music. And I still wasn't a big fan of La La Land and lyrically it's better too. In La La Land. Oh, and so, without a doubt. And so that just shows you how bad this is in terms right. of a, a musical. Um, I don't know uh, about how you... Because part of how we can buy these songs is how they are performed by the actors. Uh-huh. And I'll say that like, I think all of the actors are doing about as good of a job as they possibly could do to sell these. But the issue is that... <laughs> the music is just not that good. Right. Um, and it's stupid. Like, yeah. like what they're singing is just stupid. It is stupid. And to deliver a stupid l- lyric, like some of these actors are able to do, and do it with a straight face and to like perform it as if it's serious. Yep. Like you have to give them some credit for being able to do that, but at the same time, it just like mind boggling that they even agreed to do this. But it's, it's like I, if, if the performances weren't good, there'd almost be like hardly anything good to say about the movie. I mean, there's some good scenes, yeah, but really it'd be really tough to talk about this movie. And actually a performance that like Simon Helberg, he, he, I think, was really good, and he actually sold some of the songs better than I think Adam Driver did. And a lot, he doesn't have as melodic songs. Like, he has that song, I'm an accompanist, I'm an accompanist, which yeah. is so dumb, but he sells it in a way yep. that you can kind of buy that. Um, and another sequence is that sequence with him and Adam Driver when they're by the pool and they're yep. getting into an argument. That scene really worked. It did. Because of the acting, but I think the music doesn't really matter there. Right. Yeah, and I agree with that. Um, there. Yeah, there's the the acting is by far and away uh, the most interesting part of this film because you have some really great actors um, that are making something of a project that's really not much of anything at all. And uh, so, yeah, I think that we do have to. Um, give some credit there uh it's perplexing to me that spike lee and the jury gave this movie best director at uh can and i know they were trying to kind of spread the love around a little bit um but there's no you there's no way that this was the best project directing wise um at at the can film festival in competition and that it was more of a, just a statement that they were making about it and wanted to uh, recognize this film because of just how um, 
fuzzy it was. Well, and I want to say something about that too is, is I was reading after this, I just naturally wanted to know what other people thought. So I was reading other reviews and you know, they're, they're kind of all over the board. Uh, some people really love it. A lot of people don't like it. And, uh, one of the review, uh, some of the reviews that I read, you know, they'll, they talk so much about, uh, this in terms of like Leos Carex's life and how personal the story is and like about his life in some way. And apparently the girl at the beginning is his daughter and there it's, it's, which I don't know anything about his life really beyond that. It, somehow it's, this is supposed to be personal to him, you know? And, um, you know, I, I sort of felt like when I was reading that review, I'm like, Okay, so am I living in a world where I have to know necessarily the person in order to really enjoy the art of this? And if that's the case, it's like, I, I was thinking like, you know, you, you could, you know, my, my best friend could write me a, a really bad poem, but is it good because I know him and he's my best friend, you know? And so like, I don't think that we should necessarily have to understand the place where the movie came from in order to enjoy the movie. I think it should stand on its own. And if that's the ground that you're making this a good movie on, then that's an issue. I think the movie should be just evaluated on the merits that it has as a movie. Well, and I think that that's an interesting take because we can compare it to the film we reviewed a few weeks back, The Green Knight, where, um, <clears throat> excuse me, where they were, there, there's some criticism about how you kind of have to know that story in order to, to uh, fully be able to grasp what's going on. But I did not know that story going into watching that film. And I was far more intrigued and interested in what that film did, despite getting to the end and not being able to completely wrap my head around what happened. Um, and so just because you have to have some background knowledge um, doesn't mean that if you don't have it, that there aren't enjoyable aspects to a film. Um, and they didn't hit on that at all with this film. Um, and so I do not believe that that is a good excuse uh, for how we should digest films. Mm -hmm. um, there should be aspects of a movie that uh, draw you in, even if you don't have everything about it in order to truly enjoy the film. Mm -hmm. Like I should want to go and learn more about it for mm -hmm. it to have that full effect on me. And I just don't really care that much mm -hmm. with Annette. Um, although, and we'll talk about this, I think, a little bit more in the next segment. As you said, watching the Sparks Brothers Brothers documentary uh, did get me a little bit more intrigued with this film than mm -hmm. I was when I had finished watching it. Right. And it may, at least makes you appreciate where the movie is coming from. And, that, and that's a criticism of what we were just talking about is, do you have to know the people behind the project to enjoy it. And if the, I mean, that's me being hypocritical in that sense, because now I know. And so that it changes my perspective, but I don't know, like it, it at least gives me a little bit more insight into maybe the purpose of the movie. Um, yeah. So we, we've been talking about 
I think a lot of the problems is there, I mean, if we want to flip it on its head, is there anything about the direction that we thought was strong that maybe uh, is deserving of some praise? So it's a little, this is a little messy, but I am willing to give it credit for taking some risks and some of those risks pay off um, without uh, spoiling too much. Um, the concept of how they portray Annette, I thought was very interesting. And at first it was a little shocking and I, I didn't quite know what to make of it. Mm -hmm. But now that I've kind of let it set a little bit, I really appreciated the way that they decided to, um, to portray this character and, uh, some of the choices they made around that. Mm -hmm. And um, that to me was probably one of the most intriguing parts of this movie. And I don't know if you felt the same way about it or if it, it didn't land for you. I know talking to Rachel, Rachel came in and immediately saw that and she hated that. Like that yeah. bothered her so much. So I imagine that it probably does bother people. But for me, um, I kind of liked it. I thought that that was a interesting creative choice and I was able to buy into it somewhat because of the concept of the story and what they are um, ultimately trying to tell with that story. I could I could buy into it. it. I think that the issues is there's all sorts of other risks that don't work. And so then when you have a big risk like that with other risks going on that don't pay off, you, you get the sense that it, it feels messy altogether, you know? But if that were just one big risk and the rest of them felt well executed, I would have been able to probably be okay with that. And ultimately, it didn't bother me that much. Um, there's something that happens at the end with it that I don't think is fully executed very well. Um, and I don't want to give away too much in case people want to watch this movie. Now that we've trashed the movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> but I, and here's the thing I'll say is that this is a movie that you know, like, because we say what we think of this movie, like, it almost doesn't matter what we think because this is a movie that's gonna, you're gonna like it or you're gonna hate it depending on who you are, you know? And um, I would imagine the mo most people who watch this movie aren't going to enjoy it very much. But if you can really extend your disbelief about certain things and you can really... Um, value artistic vision that's trying to challenge you in some way this could be a, an interesting film for you and i also i think that you we also have to recognize that it is a very very original concept um if you see this movie it, it maybe holy motors is somewhat similar to this and i haven't seen it uh but uh there's for the average movie goer if you see this movie there will be nothing else like it it is a truly original concept um and it just didn't didn't land for me mm -hmm. something that i wonder about too is that i almost wonder if the male brothers had maybe a, th a third writer in there to help them or to clean things up after before they started the production of this this could have been a little bit better um but it's that's almost against what they were going for right and they wanted their own original 
version of things. And yeah, so... And, yeah, and we can talk about that, I think, with the next review, because I think that's a huge part of that, that next review mm-hmm. um, and the way that we, we see them as people. Mm-hmm. Um, I do want to say uh, there are some sex scenes in this film yeah. that uh, were a interesting way to portray them mm-hmm. because they make them part of the song. Um, and there's a transition that they have between a sex scene and then a birth scene that was very interesting to me. Mm-hmm. And that I was like, huh, that was a, a interesting way to go about it. Um, and I honestly, even though it's sort of weird, in a way, I thought that it was done pretty well, um, and it kind of fit with the tone of the song uh, that they were performing yeah. at that time. And uh, yeah, I, I think that was probably actually one of the high points of the movie mm-hmm. was the way that those things were portrayed. I think another thing that maybe could have salvaged things for this movie for me is if if like that scene is a sequence where they do they're using a little bit more cinematic uh filming the editing is interesting there they have a real you know they're not on like a very stagey looking set um if they had kind of maintained that kind of physical space of the movie throughout the movie i think i would probably be a little bit more in line with enjoying this movie, but it just, the push and pull between it feeling like I'm watching somebody film a stage musical and then somebody trying to make a movie musical, um, that was ultimately a real issue for me. Um, But like like you said, that the editing in that sequence is actually really interesting. And they also do something interesting with, they, they, there's, with Marion Cotillard's character, there's a point where, you know, she arrives and you kind of see her shadow in certain sequences and the way they pull that off, I really enjoyed. Um, but again, yeah, there's some technical aspects of this film that are so on point. Yeah. And so that's where it's kind of weird because it's just an uneven film where it's like they started a project and then they like had to rush through it and uh, they didn't get to the level of uh, expertise is not there everywhere. It's just uneven. And so that's the reason why I had such a hard time rating this film because I'm like, yeah, it was like, this is uh, award quality production in certain places. And then in other places it just kind of falls flat. Mm-hmm. And so uh, just finding that balance was really, really hard. So the fact that I'm sitting here and we're, We've been kind of trashing this movie um, throughout this entire review, and I still gave it a six. Kind of, I think, is indicative of the type of movie that this is and how it's really kind of hard to put your finger on um, exactly what the final product is is and how you are digesting that. And one last thing that I'll say before you have any final comments on this is that... um, Somebody, I saw some critic, and I can't remember who said this, but they said that this is the type of movie that rather than you questioning the director's choices, you question your own taste in a way. And so 
Um, and that could be for a variety of reasons. It could be that you feel pressure to enjoy the movie. But I also think that there, there is something here that intrigues you enough to be like, am I just wrong on this? You know, and I, I feel pretty comfort, confident in saying that I, I don't feel wrong on this. And I don't think this is a movie that 10 years from now, I'm going to be like, that's actually a pretty good movie. Yeah. <laughs> I think I might say I could reevaluate and be like, wow, that was a, a, a worse movie than I, <laughs> I thought it was. You know, I could go back to thinking that this is not very good uh, to a four, you know what I mean? Yep. And, uh, but I do think that it is the type of movie that you think about, you know, what is, what makes a good movie? What makes something good? Cause it is, it is so bizarre and so unlike most movies we see. Yep. I, I mostly agree with that sentiment there. Um, I think we've said about all that we can say about this without uh, getting into specific details that may may ruin it for those of you who still want to see this. You can check this out on Amazon. Um, it is part of the Amazon Prime package. Um, so if you are at least intrigued to kind of see what it is, um, and maybe you'll end up loving it, uh, go ahead and check that out on Amazon. So when we come back from this break, we are going to be talking about the dark documentary, The Sparks Brothers by Edgar Wright. Stay right there. Something that's always kind of confounded me in popular music is people's inability to take humor seriously. And I think that's one of the things like why a band like Sparks isn't as big as the biggest bands in the world. Because they're fucking funny. You had sense, you had style, you had cash A lot of critics and some fans uh, sometimes denigrate bands that show their sense of humor. Like, oh, it's a comedy band, it's a joke band. I just don't get that. I don't know why it has to be so stinking serious. I thought it was going to be a smash hit album because it was so different. And anyone could see that we spent hours of work and put detail in it. And the songs are so great. And Russell's singing was amazing. The world just didn't agree with us, you know. It did well, but not that well. We were so irate, just lack of acceptance for what we thought was an amazing album that we were seriously considering recording Louie Louie as our next single, you know, just for spite. Welcome back. We are now talking about uh, Edgar Wright's documentary, The Sparks Brothers. And The Sparks Brothers is a documentary um, that follows these brothers, the Ron Mayle and Russell Mayle, as they kind of go through their pretty long career. Uh, they, they have been making music for five decades and uh, have been pretty inspirational to a lot of music artists that we we know and love today. And uh, I, I thought this was a pretty enjoyable documentary. Um, and what I think intrigues me the most about it is prior to this year, I had never, ever, ever heard of Sparks. 
Um, I knew nothing about it. I don't know their music. Uh, and they kind of came out of nowhere here. And it's interesting to me that there are so many people that know who they are and that they were so influential to a lot of people, but they never quite made it. And this documentary, I think, helps kind of shed light on why that is and uh, just gives you this appreciation for these two brothers that um, love music and uh, ultimately just stayed true to who they are. And uh, it, it's a kind of a refreshing sort of documentary, despite the fact that it doesn't necessarily tell a overly special story. There's not anything that's overly surprising about what you learn. Um, it, it's just a over, overall really, really well-made documentary um, that had my interest the entire length, which happened to be uh, two hours and 20 minutes, which is pretty long for mm -hmm. a documentary. So I, I think that this was, you know, being a big fan of music and just the history of music, again, like not knowing anything about Sparks before this, this was just a really interesting documentary. And, you know, a good documentary is always about shedding light on a story you don't know. Um, and I, I thought this was, uh, gave me insight into kind of the history of music in the United States and England, because that's a huge area for Sparks and Europe. Um, and I ended up giving this a seven out of 10. I, I, I enjoyed it. I actually did feel like it was maybe a little bit on the long side. I think it reached a point in maybe the final 30 minutes for me that I was like, I kind of get where we're going now. And, um, I don't, I think that it started to rehash some of the things that, but it, it wanted, uh, Edgar Wright being a fan of them, he wanted to do his due diligence to tell their full story. And I, I respect that. Um, but I would say the, the beginning hour and a half were really engaging for me because it was, it was just totally something I hadn't known about. And I like seeing the old footage of them, the, the thing, and we'll talk more about this, I'm sure, but Ron Mail specifically is so, such an interesting, uh, person. Um, and both of them are interesting, but you know, I think that just you, you, in, in so many famous bands, there's always kind of the musical genius behind it. And Ron Mail is that musical genius and just him as a figure and being so enigmatic and interesting and people liked him and thought he was strange. And he, he definitely like got some publicity for them because of his strangeness and, uh, I don't know. I, I, I thought it was just a t totally engaging um, story that got me to learn about something I would have never known about. Um, I actually give it an 8 out of 10. Uh, and I kind of was going back and forth between a 7 out of 10 and an 8 out of 10. And my main complaint is that it doesn't really do anything that's super unique. Uh it's a pretty straightforward way to do a documentary with a lot of interviews, with uh, some footage, yep. and just mixing it together. But it does it so well. 
Uh, I think this is a expertly edited documentary um, that just looks good. Mm-hmm. It sounds good. Like I'll sometimes you'll sometimes see documentaries that are pretty well respected, and they're just not as well put together as they mm-hmm. should be. And uh, being the first time that Edgar Wright has made a big documentary, I, mm-hmm. I thought it was done very well. Granted, he's a great filmmaker, so he understands kind of how to put together things. And he's a great editor, too. Yeah, he is. Like, his movies are... That's probably one of the high points of, of all of his movies is the way that they are edited. Yep. And so uh, it, it was cool to see him take something that's relatively tame for Edgar Wright... Uh, mm-hmm. in terms of the way that it is presented. And uh, he did an excellent job here um, and just kind of let the male brothers be the stars of the show yep. and let them tell their story and then supplement that with a lot of other famous people that really enjoyed Sparks and got to talk about their experiences with Sparks. And that was really cool too. Um, it we talked about the length and it felt at times like it probably was a little bit longer than it needed to be, but it's also hard to tell a five, five decades of music, uh, of music, uh, in giving it its time, um, in a shorter period, uh, than, than it was, um, without cutting certain aspects out. And part of their story is that, they kind of have just been consistent throughout their entire career mm-hmm. and that every record that they put out is uh, they, they kind of gave their all to each of them. Right. And without kind of giving time to each of those records, I think it would lose some of the, the full effect that it had in the very end. And um, you said the last half an hour kind of started to lose you. But there's this kind of change or this this shift in uh, the message where it, they really drive home kind of what this is about in that final half an hour, which I think took this movie from for me from being a seven to an eight because of the messaging. And I think that Sparks is the sort of band that every artist regardless of whether you're music or some other art form should want to be mm-hmm. because that's in in its purest form that is what art is mm-hmm. and uh in a society and world where there are so many sellouts um there's something refreshing about seeing uh these musical artists that refuse to sell out and kind of um, do things and they want to do things their own way. And uh, they are a wholly unique uh, band that kind of creates music that is rides this line between being satirical and comedic Mm -hmm. to also being a seriously pretty good some seriously pretty good tunes yeah um and they they kind of remind me of the band ween Mm. um where they ween makes some pretty good music but like a lot of it is uh the undertone is 
kind of goofy. Yeah. And uh, and so it, it, I, I kind of was able to make some connections between those two bands. Um, but like some of their, especially some of their older tunes mm-hmm. that they were playing, I'm like, this, this is pretty good. Some of these are yeah. really good. Well, and I think the level to which they are, um, you see multiple times in the documentary that if they had just made one decision differently, they could have been the next huge band that would have changed the history and we would have all known who Sparks was. You know, they they were multiple times could have made that decision to be, to sell out or to, you know, become that band. And you almost, the, the documentary makes the case that their longevity is almost, you know, due to the fact that they didn't make that decision, you know, that they constantly were trying to push themselves in a new direction or that they wanted to try something else or that they just flat out rejected the idea of being famous for famous's sake, you know? And, uh, I think that's super interesting, uh, just from the character perspective, because again, this documentary is almost less about the band or the, or the, the music of that, their, uh, the band, but more about the brothers themselves, you know, the people behind it. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, Music documentaries are kind of interesting to me because uh, some of them are very, very good and some of them, I think, fall a little bit flat. Uh, I think this is more interesting simply because it's a story that we hadn't heard yet um, and and they have an intriguing path to where they are today. Um, as we talked about in the previous uh, review. I think that if I had watched this documentary prior to seeing Annette, um, it maybe would have had a greater appreciation while watching Annette um, than I did watching it first. So in a way, I'm glad that I watched Annette first because I was able to um, be a little less biased toward mm-hmm. uh, what that final product is. Um, and I guess I'm, I'm happy for the male brothers that they were able to have a project made. Mm-hmm. Um, even if I didn't particularly enjoy it as much as, uh, some others. Yeah. Well, in the, another huge part of the story is that their life in music is so tied to film. Yeah. And, <clears throat> you know, you could say that Annette is the culmination of their career in some ways, but I think it's this documentary because they truly get to be part of something that is tells their story and explains how important that aspect for them is. And maybe they feel Annette is that culmination, but I think it's this more than anything. Um, and another aspect that I really, really liked about how film played a role is you can, first of all, they're, they are performers. Oh yeah. And it's music that, you know, drives them, but the performance side is what I think makes them interesting. And then the film aspect of their music, you can see in their album covers and their music videos in their, again, in their performances. I love the story that they tell early on when they're getting their first or label is that they did a performance where he was in like a boat that went across the stage Yep, and it like could only go like three feet, <laughs> but the fact that they are like 
trying so hard to to perform, you know, yep. first and foremost, I think that again makes them as people so interesting. Even though, like you said, some of the older tunes are pretty good. It's never music that I would be like, I want to listen to Sparks. That just me personally, it doesn't. I'm not in love with that. That their music, but the people. Behind the music is what makes this a really interesting documentary. Yeah. Um, one thing that to kind of maybe uh, for comparative, from a comparative standpoint and thinking about this in terms of some of the other, in my opinion, great music documentaries that I have loved in more recent years. Uh, two came to mind because of uh, the concept behind this. Um, the first is Summer of Soul, um, because it's a, a, a story about music, and mm-hmm. it's also a story that we didn't really know prior mm-hmm. to that documentary coming out, and so there's that kind of um, intrigue element to it, mm-hmm. um, and I, I still loved Summer of Soul better than this, mm-hmm. and so... Uh, it, I think that kind of starts to knock this documentary down a little bit um, just because I don't know that it has as much to say as a documentary like Summer of Soul. And uh, it kind of places this documentary in a place where it doesn't have a lot of wiggle room to mm-hmm. be able to uh, take it to another level uh but it also its floor isn't as low mm-hmm. and so it kind of it has this niche area where uh it's good at what it does and it right. does it very very well um and uh, it, it makes it enjoyable but it doesn't like it's not the sort of documentary that i want to watch again or that i want to uh share with a bunch of people because of just how intriguing it is sure yeah i can buy that too and i think the other documentary that i kind of compared it to was searching for sugar man um which came out i don't know how many 10 years ago uh and that's also a kind of music discovery uh documentary where it's this musician that i had never heard of before but has this absolutely incredible story and that one i thought was a far more interesting story um, just because, like, this is somebody who's living in the United States who is a was a major sensation mm-hmm. in other parts of the world, and uh, that I don't know it, that story was just on a different level for me, um, but kind of has a sim- a similar feel to to the Sparks Brothers documentary. Um. I never saw Searching for Sugar Man, but but what I get from what that story tells is that he is probably pretty open and or like the at least what we know about him is that it's his story is pretty open and we get to experience like what he his life is like and yep. all the and I almost felt a little bit in this documentary that there was maybe with Edgar Wright being such a big fan of Sparks, there was almost a sort of he maybe didn't want to push a little bit with certain things and there was aspects of them as brothers and the dynamic of the music writing that I would have liked to go a little bit deeper in and 
they touch on this a couple times different in the documentary of how Russell is the front man, but Ron is really the brains behind right. the whole thing, and that Russell's kind of this a he's kind of the um, the medium through which Ron is sharing his his pain or sharing the things that are and I would have really liked to get more of their perspective on this. So I think that there's maybe maybe Edgar Wright didn't want to push very hard, but I also think that they're really enigmatic and they don't they're not as open maybe as some subjects would be. And so they wouldn't be interested in in going that way. And you you can't, you know, knock it necessarily for them just not being interested, but that's a direction I would have liked to go maybe a little bit deeper in. Um, because I don't know the, the the something that's really striking is you, the poster for this is a picture of Russell and his the mask that he's holding up is uh, his brother Ron and it's it tells the story of how he's almost putting on the mask to be his brother so he can tell the stories that his brother's written you know and uh, I think that is such an interesting dynamic that it just feels like an undertone and I wanted that to be more of a focus. I think kind of building off of that, there were times, especially with that length of two hours and 20 minutes, that this felt like the sort of story that would have been better as a series, as a docu-series, mm-hmm. and they could have even made it a little bit longer. It made it four or five parts and added some of that, that sort of stuff in there. Yeah. Um, because I think, as you were saying, that the first hour and a half is very good, and then you get into that kind of last uh, half an hour to an hour and it, it feels like you're kind of getting the same thing mm-hmm. um, it's just their new material and kind of in a new era and there yeah. are elements that make it interesting enough to keep you intrigued uh-huh. but it's a bench uh, essentially uh, nearly two and a half hours of the same sort of documenting. Uh, the the story doesn't necessarily take you in like a way other direction. But it's you about, can't it's go about, that way. If, if it's the story isn't there, right. you can't change that. You're, you're, you're yeah. right. But I think that's where we get into yeah. kind of the idea that there are interesting elements that they could have brought in mm-hmm. um, that would have changed kind of the flow of the documentary a little bit. Yeah. And it's not just, all right, this is this album. Right. This is this album. This is what happened when this album was released. Right. Um, and it, it, they could, right. they could have gotten more into other elements of what makes them a band. Right. Yeah. And you, I don't, I, I guess being such a big fan of music too, I don't know that I got real good insight into their writing process. Yeah. And, and I, I, you know, you're questioning, you know, like, what role is Russell playing in this? And then you kind of sort of figure it out by the end of it. But you, you, I almost wanted maybe a little bit more direct kind of documentation of, like, how do they write a song, you know? And what does that go through, you know? Just, yep. and I don't know. Especially, too, when, we're fo- when it builds up to Annette eventually, you know? Right. Uh, I wanted to maybe know, too... What was that process like? Because that's something that's totally different than what, and they did an opera or a stage musical that, uh, yeah, I would have been interested to see that process as well. You know. Yep. Um. So, I being such a big fan of music, this is like, it's just fascinating to see how 
two guys essentially can have a huge effect on a gener multiple generations of music musicians. It's just fascinating. Yep. Yeah, and I think this is the sort of documentary that if you are a music fan and you're just interested in hearing music stories, then I highly recommend renting this. Um, as of right now, it is a still uh, a fairly expensive video on demand um, at twenty bucks. Uh, and I, I was happy to give them that money because I really wanted to go see it in the theaters when it was here, mm -hmm. um, but it was only here for like a week or two, and I had conflicts that didn't allow me to go see it because of the times that it was showing. It just didn't get enough uh, screen time uh, here in the Omaha area, and so uh, I, I was more than happy to be able to give them a little extra money for this documentary, but um, it is the sort of movie that I think uh, I would probably recommend waiting until that price point comes down for the average movie watcher. I also feel pretty strongly that this is going to be the sort of documentary that gets acquired by one of the streaming services, probably like either uh, Prime or uh, Hulu, because mm -hmm. that's it just that it just has that feel to it. Um, so w if it gets there and when it gets there or even when it becomes a rental for five bucks, um, I highly recommend seeing this if you like music and that you want kind of an interesting story um, about two pretty fascinating individuals uh, that uh, have had a, an incredible impact on the music world. And they truly are music fans, and I think that's part of what makes this enjoyable because they create music because of their love of the industry and uh, love the fact that they can kind of emulate some of their their favorite types of music mm -hmm. in in this dynamic of uh, what is American and what is European and how that used to be a pretty big thing uh, when they were coming up. Uh, There's clearly like a very European style of music mm -hmm. and a clearly American style of music, and that dynamic plays out here too. Um, so. I, I recommend this. I gave it an 8 out of 10, and Danny gave it a 7 out of 10. It's pretty solid for a documentary, and I think by the end of the year, there's a decent chance that this breaks my top 10 yeah. for documentaries. For documentaries, I think definitely. And um, Right now, I, I would say if you're looking for a good documentary, definitely check out Summer of Soul first, and then uh, this is up there. Val is up there for me right now, and um, but yeah, I, again, see it if you're into music. All right. Um, I haven't quite figured out what the September schedule is mostly going to look like for what we're going to review. Um, I know next week I think we would like to get Moonrise Kingdom in there um, so we can keep moving forward with our Wes Anderson Marathon uh, since... The weeks following that are going to get a little more crowded with uh, other stuff that we want to talk about. So um, you can tune in next week for Moonrise Kingdom. Um, and until then, have a great week. See you later.